0: My name is Tessa McKelligan and I'm from Brisbane, Australia and I work at Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary.
1: Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Safari podcast. All right, y'all, so this has been an absolutely incredible week in which I have been partnering with the team at Trainer Talks and Tales, an Australian-based training podcast. It's been an absolute blast, and in case you missed it, One week ago on Tuesday, I had one of the hosts of the podcast, Daisy Barrett, on Safari. Then on Thursday, I was the guest on their podcast, Trainer Talks and Tales. And then on Friday, Daisy, along with her co-host Tess, uh, were the co-hosts of Safari Zoo News. It's been an absolute blast. And now it is the time for the final podcast in the Collaboration. At least for now. I'm sure we're going to do more down the road. But um, I am really excited to bring you my interview with Tessa McKilligate, who, along with co-hosting the podcast, also works at Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary in Australia. Uh, This facility... Is one that you have probably never heard of, and it is amazing. You are going to learn so much cool stuff about Lone Pine that you are definitely going to want to go there when you listen to this episode. And I gotta tell y'all, um, this is a really fun episode. Tess and I had a blast. We play a game at the beginning that had us in stitches, and that I hope makes you laugh as well. Um, and we just talked about some. Amazing animals. I mean, this one has it all, y'all. This has koalas. A tree kangaroo species that even if you've listened to the podcast, you may not have heard much about before. Um, free flight raptor training and uh, just a lot of laughs along the way. So I'm really excited to share this with you. Quick reminder to make sure that you subscribe to Ross Safari wherever you get your podcasts and also make sure that you subscribe to Trainer Talks and Tales. I promise you, you are going to love that podcast as well. And uh, also make sure that you follow along on social medias at Rossafari and at Trainer Talks and Tales. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Tessa McElligot of the Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary.
0: We're the world's first and largest koala sanctuary. So we only have Australian Wildlife, and I work with the raptors there. So um, head raptor keeper, uh, we have two bird shows a day demonstrating the free flight behaviors and natural behaviors of uh, 13 individuals, about eight different species. And yeah, I absolutely love it.
1: That's awesome. I am I'm really excited about free flight stuff. So I'm really looking forward to chatting. And you are also the co host of
0: trainer talks and tales. Absolutely. We had the pleasure of having you on our podcast a couple days ago. So it's fun to uh, be on yours.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about uh, this collab. It's very cool. Um, now, actually, <clears throat> uh, so uh, we're going to do something I've never done on here before. Uh, I felt like I had to mess with you a little bit. Oh, gosh. The eyes are getting big. Um, and it's not even having a pajama party because, y'all, I'm recording this at 420 in the morning my time, and we are having a pajama party. But I've <laughs> even done that with people before. So, um, no, uh, you know, the other night when we recorded my episode of your podcast, you said that that you were, like, charmed by my use of y'all. So in light of that, and in the fact that y'all start your podcast with your fast five questions, we're going to start with something similar but different, a game about the language barrier between our countries, despite the fact (laughs) that we all speak English. I am calling this Down Understand. Hey, Yes. And, uh, (laughs) yes, so we've got, we've got five questions for you. I love it. Number one. If I said that someone screwed the pooch, what do you think I mean?
0: I have heard this one before. Um, it gets me every time. Stuff up. Like this stuffed up?
1: Stuffs up. No, it's it's uh unless stuffs up means something different for you, but like it's like when you like did something really bad, like messed something up really terribly. Is that stuffed yeah, up? Yeah,
0: like stuffs up. <laughs> like you've you've like stuffed up, like you've messed up.
1: See, stuffed up for us means that like you have a cold and your nose is all like <laughs>
0: Oh, we have that too, but like you've messed up, basically.
1: Okay, yes, okay. So you got that one. I'll give I'll give you that yes. one. I love that I didn't know your answer. That's so great. All right, now, number two. If I told you that I had a whopper for dinner, where would you think I had eaten?
0: Hungry Jacks.
1: Ah, I knew you were gonna say that. So in America, we have Burger King. Ah. <sighs> And there was actually this big thing. I I didn't even know this. I knew that you guys didn't have Burger King. So I knew that that was like the question, right? But (laughs) when I was looking into this, um, I do no research for my interviews, but spent way too long on this. Um, But I found out that um, I guess Burger King was franchised in Australia um, and uh, there was already a local company with the name. So they started calling it Hungry Jacks. So it's the same company. But
0: Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But I've 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 never eaten at a Hungry Jack's. I've never seen one.
0: I feel like it tastes better cuz it's called Hungry Jack's.
1: <laughs> oh my god. You guys have such <laughs> pride over there. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. So, um speaking of food, if you had to pick one of the two, would you rather eat shrimp or a jelly sandwich? Uh
0: jelly sandwich, which I know you mean jam. <laughs>
1: all right so you know you've gotten onto that one all right fair 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 what is a jelly for y'all for those listening
0: uh it's like a gelatinous blobby (laughs) dessert
1: right okay so you wouldn't put that between two pieces of bread
0: no 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 and also shrimp sounds like weird shrimp is like a tiny little like crustacean like right
1: what do you what do you call them the ones that you would eat prawns right yeah
0: prawns Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'm having too much fun with this. Um, OK, now now this next question, um, I, I just have to ask when you go out, uh, do you often um, do you often wear thongs?
0: Yeah. And every
1: do, you, day. do do people see them? Yeah. Wow. All right. We all
0: wear thongs.
1: Do, do you know what that means over here?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think you're hey. wandering around in G-strings, but, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, don't yuck my yum. But... <laughs> no, honestly, you just thongs. got so
1: many more followers with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, thongs are great. Everyone wears them. Like, everyone wears them. um Prime Minister wears them. Everyone wears thongs.
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but,
0: yeah, very different to what you guys are thinking of.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, no, well, and you know, it's so funny to me because we call them flip flops and um and and it seems like such an Aussie thing to because we a lot of us like I call them flippies and that just seems like something that y'all would do with how don't give me that look you guys shorten (laughs) all of the words that you can you call documentaries docos come on
0: yeah basically anything that you would think the word would be just add an o like bottle o um, doco. Do you, I I wish I was prepared. I want to test you on all of them, see if you know what I'm talking about.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, this is too much fun. All right, one more, one more. Uh-huh. All right. So, I'm going to spell a word for you. And I want you to say it, but then I also want you to tell me how many syllables the word has, okay? And mm. it's a very simple one. N O No. no. And how many syllables do you think that was?
0: <laughs> Technically one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and how many Wait, syllables? how
0: did... You... <laughs> it was, it was no. like N-O-U-R
1: or something.
0: How do you say no? <laughs> no. I say
1: an N and then I say an O. And I say no.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So do I just sound so Australian to you? You sound sour
1: Australian to me.
0: So Australian.
1: Sarah, and I cannot do an Aussie accent to save my life. Anytime <laughs> I try, it becomes a weird, like not even British, like you would expect, but I start doing a weird like southern accent. It just it goes terribly. Yeah, it's bad.
0: Yeah. I will admit when you think about what we say, like even Tuesday, like I say it with a C H. Yeah. Monday, you also say H Tuesday. instead of H. <laughs> Oh wow.
1: <laughs> Although I will give you that you guys you guys say a word correctly that in the in the US we say very wrong. What's that? Aluminum. Or as you would yeah. say aluminium.
0: Yeah, aluminium. Yeah, which is actually Correct. how
1: it's spelled. So I'll give you that one. Although then because you're Aussies and weird, you probably call it like aloe or something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a lot of fun and very goofy. Um, thanks for being on. Po- no, I'm kidding. We should actually do a real interview now. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. So moving on to the actual, you know, stuff that we do on this podcast. Uh, let's talk about you and let's talk about um, the you know, kind of how you figured out that you want this career and, and how you got to where you are.
0: Well, uh, I've always wanted to work with animals. I have loved them from a very, very young age. So I was actually one of those kids that, when I was like four, was like, "I'm going to be a zookeeper. That's what I want to do." Nice. You know, a lot of people said they want to be a vet or like that kind of thing, but I, I just wanted to work with animals, and I really stuck to my guns, <laughs> and um, yeah, and here I am, a zookeeper at 30. So yeah, I've just always been surrounded by animals, always had jobs and occupations regarding them, um, you know, around them and, and yeah, I've just have fallen into it and absolutely love it.
1: Now that's awesome. And since you mentioned your age that you just turned 30, uh, happy (laughs) birthday and you have to tell everyone what you did for your birthday.
0: (laughs) Well, I love a dress up party. And so I had a tea themed party because my name's Tessa. So you have to come and something signing with tea. And I came as the tooth fairy.
1: <laughs> it was so good. It was so cute. I when I saw that picture, when we started talking about doing all of this stuff, because I'd been talking to Daisy a little bit more first, your, your partner in podcasting. And um, I saw that picture and I was like, oh, we're going to be friends. You can be goofy. <laughs> I, I like the goofy ones. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited and- about it that
0: daisy dressed up as taylor swift so you would have loved that oh,
1: of course yes yeah i'm a big swifty it's true <laughs> so awesome yeah um and so when you say that you grew up and always knew that you wanted to do this how did you like shape your life because of that like in the states you kind of have to have like a four-year college degree or uni degree if you will um and so i'm just curious like what your path was
0: well i worked in a pet shop when i was really young Um, I did, uh, dog walking and animal feeding when people were on holidays when I was like young, um, and could just walk to their houses and do that. Just always wanted to be uh, surrounded by animals. And then I did a bit of caring on the side. Like I couldn't even drive and my dear dad was like helping me. Um, pick up injured bin chickens around um, possums and that kind of stuff so we have an organization a charity called RSPCA so I was a volunteer with them and then I volunteered at my sanctuary that I work at as well as well as working in the retail so basically I was just doing everything I could to weasel my way into the animal side Um, and then uh, got a job working with the animals when I was 18.
1: Nice okay and what was that job?
0: Uh, That was with the koalas. So I'd volunteered for six months and straight into being a koala keeper. And yeah, it was incredible.
1: Now, I mean, I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about free flight raptors and stuff, but I need to delay and talk about the koalas and what that experience was like. Koalas are incredible.
0: They are so beautiful. Honestly, how you feel about red pandas, I still feel about koalas. They are just such beautiful. Beautiful animals, and um, yeah, we're just so lucky to have them as our icon, and they should be; they deserve it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I um, I have seen them many places in the the U.S., uh, but but mainly at the San Diego Zoo. And uh, I was behind the scenes at the koala area of the San Diego Zoo once, and one had gotten down from its tree and was interacting with me. Like I couldn't touch it, but it was right at its gate, and it was like reaching up, trying to reach me, and I'm very careful when I'm at a facility, I will never, you know, I would never touch an animal without permission. I have never been more tempted to break that rule. And when, um, when that part of the tour was over and they were like, John, come on, we got to go. We got to go. I didn't even hear them calling my name. I was so absorbed. And then I looked up and I was like, Oh, what? Sorry. Okay. And like, but they're just very special.
0: They're so sweet. Um, they're just so cute and beautiful temperaments. Yeah. They're a really beautiful animal.
1: Yeah. And, uh, is there a large population of them where you work?
0: Uh, at Lone Pine for sure. We have over 120, I believe. So lots of beautiful koalas. That's amazing. Now,
1: um, how did the, um, the wildfires impact, uh, the population there? And, and I mean, I know in general it was decimated, but did that, you know, what, what impact did that have on Lone Pine and on, um, you know, everything there?
0: Well, uh, thankfully, our koala population wasn't affected, but can't say the same for all the wild koalas in lots of different states. So, um, yeah, throughout the years, there's been numerous, really large, devastating fires. So New South Wales, uh, Victoria, South Australia have been hit big time over the last few years, and it's just absolutely decimated their numbers. So basically, it's just. Awful, the amount of koalas that there once was, and um, now there's just so few. It's it's very sad. So that's why the these populations and human care are so important because we need to basically spread that message.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite koala at Lone Pine?
0: Um, I used to. Admittedly, I haven't been with the koalas for a long, long time. Um, but there was this one called Wisely years ago, and he was so cute. So, so
1: cute. Aww, love that um okay so you know I, i'm i'm really curious because obviously if you're doing free flight raptor training now you have to be a heck of a trainer and um since you didn't go through like what would be standard over here with you know four-year degree and learning a lot of that stuff and everything how did you first get into training and what were some of the early training things that you did
0: well, there is a course here called a Certificate 3 in Captive Animals, which they've changed the names now. Um, but I did do my Cert 3 and 4 in Captive Animals, um, but that was once I already had a keeping position. And uh, a lot of places in Australia do like to see people who have volunteered first. So it's not necessarily the university degree. They'd like to see this taste certificate. Um, and, yeah, so I learnt on the job. So lots of training um from keepers who had more experience uh in free flight raptors, so they trained me
1: very cool what was the what was the like first training experience that you had that stands out to you?
0: uh basically, I was so overwhelmed, like walking in and seeing these raptors like you got wedged tailed eagles and owls and everything, screeching at you and i was like oh, holy moly and even something like a little barn owl for me was intimidating like they can sometimes like put their wings up and snap their beak and be like pack, pack. and i i was like oh my gosh and meanwhile this thing weighs less than a can of soft drink or soda as you would say <laughs> well done well <laughs> done yes yes, yes. Yeah. yeah and i was like oh gosh this is terrifying and um you know asking this Al to step up i was like this is terrifying but yeah it's incredible it's um that was my first impression
1: all right that's awesome i i I very much appreciated your impression of of, by the way (laughs) thank you for that thank you um so um you know um we're talking about training stuff here and we're talking about first experiences and everything and now you are running free flight raptor shows do you ever pause and just think about how far you've come
0: Yes, absolutely. I actually had that today. Um, I had no concept of training. I didn't have any experience. I didn't know what a cue was. I didn't know what a bridge was. I knew what a reward was, but I had, <laughs> I, I, I've had a few rewards, but I had no concept and uh, it was a whole new world to me and I loved it. And now I'm on a training podcast, which is bizarre. So I, I love it and i've come a long way and even today i was like wow i have learned a lot over the years and you never stop learning and um yeah there's still so much more to learn and i love it it's so good
1: do you have anything that inspires you or like that helped educate you early on
0: uh i have some good mentors for sure um my curator that i work with he's great and um he's always helped me like i think I was always very self-conscious and very aware that I didn't know much. Um, And I think that helped that it wasn't pointed out. It was kind of like, yeah, we'll we'll help you and we'll learn together kind of thing and I'll teach you. So um, that was great. Having a good mentor for sure.
1: Very cool. I love that. Um, So let's, uh, let's take a moment and talk about some of the actual birds in question that you're currently working with. Um, So I'll just give you the floor, talk about a couple of them. And I want to hear not just like species, but like names, personalities, behaviors that they do all that good stuff.
0: Okay. Well, we have a lot of different species that you probably will be like, have no concept, but you know, the famous one is of course a wedge-tailed eagle. So they're Australia's largest uh, raptor or largest eagle. They are big and impressive. And I know y'all think <laughs> that um, the bald eagle is cool. Okay. Yeah, they're cool. But the wedge-tailed eagle can hunt together and take down something the size of a kangaroo. Whoa. So that, that's for context how cool these guys are. Like they've got big, powerful feet. And, yeah, they're just so impressive. That's really cool. Did you say wedgies? Yeah, wedgies. You call them
1: wedgies? Come (laughs) on, Australia. Wedgies are when you get your underwear stuck up your butt, you know, like a thong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, actually, the other day I was holding a wedgie and I couldn't answer my radio, and someone was like, oh, Tess can't pick up, um, sorry, she can't answer, she has a wedgie. And I was like, oh, no, everyone thinks that I have a wedgie <laughs> on the radio, but I'm holding a wedgie.
1: That's amazing. Um, that, that's amazing. <laughs> Language is so fun. Um, no, but that uh, is so, – I, 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 I love – so I think – Bald eagles are the most overrated bird in the country. But I have gotten to spend some time with golden eagles, and they are just incredible. And and I would love to uh to come and see your wedgie when I when I eventually get to Australia. Yeah, mate.
0: That sounds incredible. See my wedgie. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: This is what happens when you podcast at 4.30 in the morning. I'm
0: just <laughs> come to Australia and see my wedgie. Like that sounds
1: weird. <laughs> Oh man, it sounds like something that the uh, the tourism department needs to start to advertise.
0: But yeah, so, so you be, um, have a wedgie, and what slogan. is your wedgie's name? Uh, we have a couple of wedgies, okay. um, but my favorite is Omega. Oh, actually, I love Spirit too. Oh, geez, I love them. Um, they're yeah, they've got such different personalities. Tell me about them. Um, so uh, Omega is quite sassy um but once he likes you you're in and and that's really rewarding. Like I was terrified of him when I started because he'd be like and just act like a big man and be all scary. Um and then once he likes you like he puts his head on your shoulder and he can kiss these eyelids and um just give him a smoosh under the wings like he's beautiful. So to have that connection after all these years is is, is really rewarding. Um, but yeah, we've got countless species uh, that are just incredible. Like you guys have barn owls, but, uh, there's a species called the barking owl that oh, I love. Okay. Uh, and they, they bark, they go woof, 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 woof. Um, which is cool. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> I swear they I actually do. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and so we've got barking owls. They've got lots of different kites too, which are really clever. Uh, I just love working with kites they're so intelligent like smarter than me like that's not hard but like <laughs> they're, they're so switched on um, so yeah lots of different species lots of different personalities that I love them all
1: All right okay well'll we'll, we'll come back to some of those but I have to ask you've mentioned this multiple times now
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that is that you started off in this position afraid of the birds you were gonna work with and like you were already working at the place so how the hell did you let that happen and like why did you take the job and all that
0: well not afraid like you have to keep in mind too i was like 19 year old tess or something when i worked with the raptors for the first time so not a lot of confidence and i'd been working with soft cuddly koalas that are just you know so sweet and easygoing and uh, yeah, okay, I um, do sound uh like a bit of a baby saying that I'm afraid of them. But, uh, yeah, they, they can be quite intimidating. Well, no, I know, but I mean, I'm asking for a reason. I'm
1: not, I promise I'm not picking on you here. I'm honestly asking <laughs> because I find it intriguing. Like, what made you take a job with animals that scared you?
0: Um... I have always loved birds. Like birds are my passion. My nickname is Birdie in my family and I'm still Birdie. Um, And, yeah, I saw these free flight shows and I loved it and I loved it so much and I wanted to be involved. So I wouldn't say I was scared. It was just like a bit of hesitation um, when you're walking into their space and they're like, who are you? And you're like, ah. (laughs) So, uh Yeah, no, it, it's been awesome. No, that's
1: really cool. I just I think that's, um, you know, inspirational, honestly, that like you would go from being afraid or intimidated or whatever word you want to use to to working with them and building those relationships. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious if as a trainer, you found it harder to build a relationship with animals early on that you were intimidated by, because like. Animals can obviously read what we are thinking, feeling, all that kind of stuff. So did you find that you had to work harder at it or anything? I mean, obviously you were successful. You're still doing the thing. Um, I'm just curious what that was like for you.
0: I think as well, um, keep in mind, if you've never worked with a species before, you have no idea what they're telling you, you know? So if they've got their wings up and they're snapping their beak, like you're saying, oh, okay, this seems weird, like – You know, there's a lot to read and you don't know what's like empty threats or you don't know what's their normal morning stretching routine or you don't know what's like a bit of a flex. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot to take on in those early stages because you have to learn different uh, behaviors of different species and and different individuals' behaviors as well.
1: Makes sense. So what kind of stuff do you do in these uh, free flight shows? Other than, you know, just free flight, obviously
0: well more than half of our collection have come in with injuries so we have kites that have been entangled in fishing line an eagle that was shot another one that was hit by a car um, others have been taken out of the nest by people basically if you look at it it's always human involvement but um <laughs> we demonstrate their their natural behaviors so brahmany kite We'll catch a fish um, and we we'll rake pause. fish off the surface. Pause. How, yes.
1: how do you do that? Like go, well, go into detail with that. That sounds incredible. Uh,
0: so we have this brownie kite called Zephyr who's come in from the wild over a decade ago with fishing line entangled around his foot. So he doesn't have the foot grip strength to survive. Raptors need really powerful feet um, for grasping prey. So he's in our free flight show, flies every day um, in front of the audience And then we have this fake fish that we've made out of leather. Um, We pop it on his ponds and it like floats and it's lightweight and it's got little easy straps and he grabs it. He rakes and shows that uh, natural hunting or raking behavior, brings it to us, and then we give him a real fish. So Ah, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, it's really nice that he still gets to do that. So lots of things like that. So demonstrating Um, how they would hunt naturally. We've got other kites that catch insects in the air, so we'll throw little bits of food up, they catch it. Um, Eagles catch their prey on the ground. Uh, So those wedge-tailed eagles will catch, like, rabbits and things. So we can um, have them chase, like, a lure that's similar to a rabbit that they'll catch. So, yeah, things like that um, just to demonstrate how they would be acting out there in the wild.
1: That sounds like a really involved show.
0: Yeah, it's very fun. And uh, obviously we try to have every show be a bit different if people are um, visitors that come all the time. So the morning show uh, is different to the afternoon show. So you might have kites and owls in the first show and eagles and falcons in the second show. So lots of varying um, species and individuals and, and flying styles as well.
1: Wow, that's really cool. So I have yeah. to admit I have not done um any looking I never do. I like to learn from people. Um but into Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary and um it sounds like a much bigger and kind of more exce- like I was picturing like just like a sanctuary with some koalas and a couple like rehab raptors and stuff. But I mean, you're talking triple digit koalas, you're talking the coolest bird show I've ever heard of. Um yeah, tell me a little is. bit more about Lone Pine.
0: Oh, it's uh, a beautiful sanctuary. I feel like it's hidden in Brisbane City. Like it's literally in the suburbs. This beautiful little sanctuary. And uh, yeah, it has koalas, kangaroos, um, lots of reptiles, lots of birds, a really good free flight bird show. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just awesome. And it's one of those uh, little sanctuaries that isn't too overwhelming. You know how sometimes those big zoos, you're like, man, I got to wear my good shoes. I got to have this backpack and walk around for nine hours. Like you can do it in a few hours and that's all you need. It's it's awesome. Um, We've also got this really big croc and this awesome new croc exhibit. And um, I saw them feeding him today and he jumps out of the water and grabs the food. Like it's cool. Like it's a cool place to work. I'm very lucky to work there.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Are there any other shows or anything?
0: Yeah, there'll be a a croc feeding demonstration um and there's a sheepdog show Wait, as well what?
1: stop what a yeah. sheepdog show
0: Sheepdog t- show. tell
1: me everything
0: <laughs> well here in australia we have a lot of sheep uh we're the largest producers of wool so <laughs> 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 well
1: you got that fact. going for you which is nice
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so a lot of sheep and obviously um they all have to come back and get their will shorn every year so every single one of them so uh we have a lot of working dogs so they're kelpies and border collies so it's basically on a very small scale a, a demonstration of how those working dogs will round up the sheep and push them through different um little obstacles and and through little runs and stuff so yeah it's really cool actually
1: that sounds incredible that sounds so incredible i love that so much very cool um, And you said that you're all native wildlife right there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I have to ask if you happen to have one of my favorite species, and I'll just cut this if you don't. Why do your eyes get so big? It's like, I'm not putting you on the spot here. You've worked at this place forever. You know what's up.
0: Yeah, hilarious. but what if you say something and I'm like, no, sorry. We don't I said, have we'll one. cut it. That's the <laughs> of
1: editing. Um, do you have a platypus?
0: We do have a platypus. Ah! So we cool. have two of them and they're incredible. Mate, you should um, see my Insta. I just put up a, a, a particle sleeping. What and it's a little box and it's curled up and it's going like like. Okay, first so of all, cute. how
1: did I not see this? Since we are Insta friends, and second well, of
0: well, I only uploaded it like half an hour ago, so oh, I'll let it slide. That's how. That's and, how. And it's like four AM <gasps> in your time, so <laughs> I'm
1: looking at it right now. This is the cutest thing I have ever seen. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love it so much. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yes. so cool. Ah, uh, tell me about your platypus. Is platypuses um, platypi? Platy- Platypodes, platy. Help me out here.
0: Platypuses.
1: Okay. okay. Platypuses.
0: Not yeah. that I can really <laughs> trust
1: language from an Aussie, but all right.
0: <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I'm going to tell you it's platypusy and you'd be like, "Oh, I <laughs> I <you>. would
1: absolutely <laughs> believe it. It would be on the podcast. You're not wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we have two platypuses and yeah, Barak and Aruna. Wait, wait, wait and...
1: you just said it's platypuses, and then you said we have two platypus. Make up your mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did I? You just... <laughs> <laughs> <Two platypus. laughs> I'm pretty sure it's platypus okay
1: okay this is, this is good this is good
0: <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something different um, and yeah they're awesome they have this really naturalistic uh, display with like um, this like cool little water feature and they swim around and they also have this like back of house tunneling system so they can go back in their artificial burrows, and that's what that little video is, is one, like, falling asleep and um, catching some Zs, not Zs, um, in its little sleeping nest box. So cute.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I um that we have two platypuses in um the the U.S. at the San Diego Zoo uh, Safari Park, and I have oh, seen cool. them both multiple times and, and gone behind the scenes there. And they also have the artificial burrow setup that you're talking about and everything, and it's just incredible.
0: Yeah, Such they're cool so animal. cool. Ah, oh, I yeah. love
1: that. I also did Google while we were talking, and it is official. It is platypuses.
0: Platypuses.
1: Although you can use platypi, but it is less common. But it is platypi. still, like, legal. I don't know if legal is the <laughs> word, but you know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, platypi sounds like a math equation or something. Yeah, <laughs> platypi sounds know.
1: like what I would call them because I like having fun with words. But um, <laughs> And then, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about birds, I promise. But there is an animal that I have basically been... Very calm by not talking about this entire time. (laughs) And you know what's coming because we've talked about this off air. But y'all recently got a Lumholtz tree kangaroo. And and mm-hmm. Lumholtz tree kangaroos are, for those listening, one of the two species that is native to Australia. And um, you have not, if you've listened to every episode of Rossifari, you have heard about Matchy's tree kangaroos and Goodfellows tree kangaroos out the wazoo. But you have not heard of a Lumholtz yet. So please tell me literally everything about your Lumholtz tree kangaroo and how soon I can visit it. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm on the same page with you. Tree kangaroos are awesome. Uh, we have one called Rocky, and he has come from Tree Roo Rescue up north in the Atherton Tableland. So that's where Alam Tree Kangaroos are, just um, up in the north of my state of Queensland.
1: I love and, I love that rescue um, so much. I love it so much. Yes. I want to go volunteer yeah. there. there. That's, that's yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, you were saying on our podcast that you want to go volunteer at Tree Roo Rescue, and you absolutely should. Like, yeah, that would be incredible. You would love it for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he is uh, one of the Tree Roo's from there. Obviously, Karen Coombs at Tree Roo Rescue has a lot of Tree Roo's and limited space. So um, he has come in from the wild, um, I believe, with an uh, eye injury um, and unreleasable so he's here with us at lone pine koala sanctuary and he's in this new exhibit now and it is phenomenal he has this big fig tree and it's like this is exhibit is awesome so yeah he'll be living his best life in there and he's he's very cool it's taken a bit of time um but he's got great rapport with his keepers now and he'll as you saw he'll eat chickpeas out of your hand so he's a cool guy for sure
1: I want, to feed them, I want to feed them chickpeas. <laughs> also, I'm impressed that you say chickpeas because I thought y'all called them garbanzo beans.
0: What, what the it, hell is a garbanzo bean? Do we call bean? them
1: garbanzo beans? And I just... This is so weird. A garbanzo bean is a chickpea.
0: That sounds made up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, all language is made up. But, you know.
0: <laughs> um...
1: Amazing, amazing. No, I just so I so he's building a report. How long has he been there? Cause this is like a brand new thing, right?
0: Yeah, he's only been here for one year. Um, and he was having his amazing exhibit made in this time. So he's kind of been off display, actually, right behind the raptor area. He had his off display exhibit was, was sick. Like he, it was so cool. Um, and I didn't think it could get any better, but now he's got this massive big tree that he can be in on display so yeah it's awesome
1: nice next time you get a chance to feed him some garbanzo beans uh think of me
0: <laughs> i will i'll take a video uh, uh, um, yes <laughs> oh,
1: i will always take photos and videos of of your tree kangaroo just so you know anytime you stop by you can you can hook me up um okay yeah it is can so do. cool that y'all have a lumholtz. hole i'm so excited because this is like a relatively new thing in australia um can you talk about that at all
0: Having tree kangaroos having uh, lumoned
1: tree kangaroos in, in um you know managed care.
0: Yeah. Um to be honest, uh the breeding programs that other facilities are doing are incredible. And I hope and I believe lone pine will be on that page too at some stage. Um, yeah, it they're such an awesome species. And I know that we mentioned this last week when we spoke. Wow, that was this week. But it's it's cool that uh people can see them on display because they are just a mind-blowing animal. And even me as an Australian didn't really know much about them, hadn't seen them before. So to see them, you're just like, what is that? That is so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really love it. And I know, so, um, it used to be that Goodfellows and Matchies were all throughout the world in, uh, zoos and such. And then the decision was made to put all of the Matchies, um, in the, the US and, uh, Canada and all of the Goodfellows in Australia and, uh, Europe. Um, and Lumholtz just weren't gonna get any love. And it was literally just the zoos of Australia talking to Karen at the tree kangaroo rescue and saying like, we want to help you and we want to help save these animals that have led to this happening recently. And now all these facilities are getting Lomholz. And I just think, I think it's so beautiful because it's literally like just the zoological community coming together to help save these animals.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, like we said, like the potential for um, all these facilities to have breeding programs and, um, be that, um, population in human care. That's, that's cool. There's a lot of potential there
1: that is yeah there is there is a lot of potential there um and you know while while we've been talking about this there's been a word that we've we've both avoided and you mentioned earlier that you had this word in your um in your studies but you're trying not to use it anymore and i haven't really talked about this much on my podcast but y'all did an incredible episode about it um on yours uh so can you explain just briefly why we're not talking about having lumholtz you know tree kangaroos in captivity?
0: Well, I honestly hadn't thought about it much until we spoke about it on that episode. Uh, When you think of the word captive or captivity, you picture like behind bars or it, it, it creates this kind of emotive feeling of being confined. And there's a lot to do with these words um, creating an association without even realizing it so when you say this animal has come in from the wild and is now in human care that sounds so much better than like this animal came from the wild and now it's in captivity like that that sounds hectic like it's in human care it's had um you know a, a hectic life out in the wild it has to be in human care it has to be in zoological facilities it's just has nicer connotations and it basically implies that um, the care that they receive uh, is well-deserved and yeah, I, I like it. I've been really trying to not use the word captivity. I'm glad you noticed.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I did. And I really loved the episode y'all did on that. Um, if, if y'all are listening to this podcast, uh, like I said, go and check out their podcast. But in particular, I think it was what episode six, I want to say. Um, but it's right in the title. And it says to, to not use, uh, you know, not using the word captivity. And I think it's really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's Colleen who did that episode. And obviously she explained it a lot better than me. <laughs> I'm not very good with the explanations, but the way she explains it is just like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it's a really great episode. Highly recommend it. All right. So let's fly on back to your birds. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you say that you're not great at explaining things, but I don't know, you do really good impressions of multiple birds. so something yeah
0: well you know what a flex <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so i just want to hear about a couple more of the individuals because you started off with some of the individuals and then you were like okay and then we have owls and other birds and they fly so like tell me about two or three other birds that you really love and have cool personalities or that are really challenging just just make my listeners fall in love with your birds
0: okay can do Uh, Well, in terms of uh, the species, the barking owl, love them. Uh, There is one individual called Bo who is so beautiful and so pure. Uh, I've never seen her like show an iota of irritation or frustration or anything. She's just so beautiful. So regardless of how I'm feeling or what's happening in my day, I just look at that bird or just you know, go and see her and I'm just, my spirit is lifted. Like just so beautiful. So beautiful. She was a hand raised. Um, so she's just got a particularly sweet, affectionate personality. So, oh boy, like I get happy thinking about it. I love her. <laughs> she's a beautiful bird. Uh, I love uh, this this kite Zephyr. I think the fact that he came in from the wild, the Brahmini kite, and he was so shy. He would see someone 200 meters away and be like, and just be so upset and just so nervous. And so we had a long way to go to have him be this bird that has come in from the wild and um, had this injury and has a lot of hesitation around people to eventually be in our free flight shows, um, sharing his plight and his conservational message. And now that we have gained his confidence, so it was just a matter of, Uh, feeding him and lots of positive reinforcement hundreds of meters away from people or people would be doing the free flight shows and you'd just be in the background like creepily with Zephyr like feeding him (laughs) Um, reinforcing him and just being like look audiences aren't so bad and he'd be like okay and yeah to have him now fly in our free flight shows is just such an achievement and to see his confidence improve too is really cool so I love him he's very cheeky and um yeah we'll try to outsmart us you know if you change a cue slightly or if you're like oh yeah that was pretty much it and reward something the next day he'll try it It'll be like oh yesterday um, my foot landed here and I still got rewarded so you're like damn it you are smarter than me so <laughs> uh yeah I love him Zeph, Bo, Omega, the wedgie oh, yeah I love them there, I, there's I- lots of Big personalities. I love that.
1: And I, I just on a side note, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, and um, there's a uh, a series called The Bad Batch where the the young protagonist is uh, voiced by an Aussie um, actor, and uh, her name is Omega. And so whenever they say Omega, they say it like you say it, Omega. Yeah, and I'm like,
0: ah, hearing you
1: say that, I'm like, that's so good.
0: Well, actually, it sounds a lot better when you say it, Omega. Oh my God. I nah. there's no way I could do that I have I this
1: mental it. image that you know I'm gonna get to Australia and you and Daisy and I are gonna hang out and Daisy and I will be having normal conversations and you and I will just be trying to speak like each other <laughs> the entire time
0: do y'all want to come feed the tree kangaroo some? what did you say garbanzo <laughs> beans I, I was like my daddy but all God
1: yes, penodis That's what we call them here in the states. Spadody, <laughs> That's it. Amazing! Oh my goodness. Um, so before we get on to our last couple of questions, let's talk about your podcast for a moment. So, what led you to decide that you want to be doing this and doing this with Daisy?
0: Well, we both went to a conference, the ASK conference. Um, and I have been to a number of conferences and just love the environment. Just being in that kind of environment with all these passionate people is just so cool. Like I live and breathe that. So um, we were there at this um, conference. It was the ATC one as well. So some big names there: Ken Ramirez, um, Tim Sullivan, all the all the the hotshots. Um, Susan Friedman uh, zoomed in as well. Like just loving it and uh we kind of jokingly said like we should do a podcast and i was like yeah we should do a podcast i would probably had like a few wines i was like yeah daisy sounds good <laughs> uh not really thinking much of it but daisy's a very determined woman you probably noticed because she's emailed you 42 times and tess has just been like what are we doing uh, you're literally
1: like in our group chat you're literally like cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> can somebody tell me how to open zoom <laughs> um <laughs> No, that's me. And she just was like, let's do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then next thing I know, she's at my house and she's opening up Zoom and she's turning on these mics and she's like, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it, Daisy. And it's true. it's It's been so rewarding. And as you would know, like your podcast, like up there, we're like the little newbie starting it. It's, it's very time consuming. So I guess I was quite naive as to how time consuming it would be but it's very rewarding and it's so much fun. Like even this, like I've been a new friend and I just met you on the internet like the other day. Like it's so cool. I yeah. love it.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, what's, what's been your favorite um, impact like that you've seen, like somebody else talking to you about the impact that the podcast has had on them.
0: Well, there's a few people at my workplace, even who have never mentioned the word training they've just, you know, husbandry is life and they're, they're brilliant keepers. Like they're incredible keepers and they have probably just been in the zookeeping world, world a really long time. And they're like, wow, Tess, like I've been listening to your podcast and like, that's so true. Or like there's a lot of potential um, there or, oh, I really like this. And to think that these people have um, kind of, you know, opened their mindset or uh, a little bit more open-minded to to training and and that kind of thing is, is really refreshing and really rewarding for me for sure.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, Are there any conservation organizations that you would like to give a shout out to?
0: Yes. uh, I obviously love flying foxes or bats. Yes. Um, If anyone follows my Instagram, there's going to be a lot of flying fox content context. Wow content content oh, she got there yeah, there yeah we go. she got there eventually uh it's getting close to my bedtime now, <laughs> um, and uh i love flying foxes so the group that i'm a part of is bcrq Bat conservation and rescue queensland and so that's my shout out they do such good work um they have all these different carers like myself and they provide everything so they provide you all your little mama rolls all your wraps um milk teats that kind of stuff so i love the work that they do and every single one of those little flying foxes like they might be orphaned because they're um from bushfires or electrocuted or entangled in fruit netting and that kind of stuff every single one of those little orphans will get re-released back out in there into the wild so that group does such amazing work
1: that's awesome! I love flying foxes. I have a pink sweatshirt that has an upside down flying fox that says "Save the Sky Puppies." That um, yes. a friend of mine uh, designed and and then donated money, you know, to to their rescue and rehab and stuff. So yeah, big big fan of the Sky Puppies. That's awesome. They
0: really they really are like sky puppies. Like they're just the big bulbous eyes and their sweet little faces. Yeah, I love them. Definitely. So good. Awesome, and
1: then I actually lied because I, I do have one more question I'd meant to ask before, but I don't write anything down and I make this up. So uh, before we get to our final moments, um, uh, you, you mentioned you know it's a free flight show. Um, are you guys in a um, covered area? Do you have netting up or anything, or is it free skies and and just all training?
0: Free skies and just training. Nice. Yeah, it's it's an awesome setting. Like we have. Um, seats that will open up to this big wide space and the birds have the capabilities to fly wherever they like. They all wear tracking devices of course. So just in case they're chased off course by other species, but yeah, all free flighted and uh, a lot of room to work with. So it's, it's very fun.
1: Nice. Have you ever had a fly off that scares you a little bit or is it just part of the job?
0: (laughs) Not really. I am touch wood here, but um, (laughs) I've been free flying Raptors, Uh, for 10 years and i've only tracked a bird once nice and um she was just over the river so we could probably see her with binoculars from the sanctuary but there was a river between us uh, and she just got chased by wild uh, i think it was another wild peregrine, actually from the top of my head so it's not often because uh they are trained to stay within the area and they see that area as their territory but it's a nice little safety measure to have those little trackers just in case
1: no definitely that's very cool uh awesome i love that very cool and then it is time it's time now don't you know story. we've come to the end of the show story. but there's one tale left to go story. you're gonna laugh and say oh no story. it's time for the poop story. <laughs>
0: Um, I was racking my brain before. I don't know if it's overly exciting, but obviously I used to work with koalas. Koalas um, do a lot of poos. They do like a couple hundred poos a day. And uh, I was cleaning a koala exhibit like literally 10 years ago. And obviously I've bent underneath a really low branch and I've been scrubbing the poles, like cleaning, making it all nice. And I've just like scraped from my spine all the way to the top of my pants and being unawares. (laughs) And so (laughs) everyone was just like, uh, Tess, you've got a little something on your back. And I just had this like poo stain, like, which looks like brown poo, like as you can imagine (laughs) from like, it's like 30 centimeters, man, like all the way to the top of my pants. And I was like, that's, that's nasty. So that's what I think of when I think of a poo story. Cause I remember being like, it's, it's koala poo i swear like yeah like it was not good
1: amazing amazing i also just have to point out because you know we have been this whole episode but you said that you need to touch wood and here we say knock on wood and i don't know it's just ah. those little things that crack me up and you like you very much like you made your pointer finger gently touch like the wood and i i would if i would, i would, I would knock on the wood that's you know ah. yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's amazing
1: so what i have learned today more than anything is that australian women wear thongs and touch wood okay mm-hmm. and get wedges. Oh. can't forget about the whoa wedgie.
0: whoa <laughs> this just went somewhere else
1: <laughs> thank you so much this has been an absolute blast
0: uh thank you so much for having me it's been really fun
1: All right, so there you have it, folks. An awesome experience talking to Tess. Uh, I had way too much fun doing that, as I'm sure y'all could tell. I am going to miss this collaboration so stinking much, even though I know we're going to do more stuff uh, down the line. But um, this has been, honestly, uh, some of the most inspired I have ever been to, to like make my podcast and grow my podcast. I often think about the podcast and get inspired by the keepers and by the work I see being done. But just in terms of like, wanting to get out of bed at four o'clock in the morning to record an episode of Safari, Uh, I got to tell you, man, the, these two um, really, really inspired the heck out of me. So uh, I hope you all have enjoyed this. I hope you go and check them out. Again, the podcast is called Trainer Talks and Tales, and I really want you to subscribe. I really want you to listen. I really want you to follow them on Instagram. They do much better design work than I ever will for uh, Safari. And uh, and so yeah, I I just I appreciated this so much, uh, Tessa Daisy, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a part of all of this. It's been a blast. I also want to remind everyone who's listening that you can support the Safari podcast by going to patreon.com slash Safari, And for as little as $3 a month, you can get bonus content from many of the episodes and some other cool stuff, including some fun uh, behind-the-scenes stories of my own life and stuff that I post from time to time. And um, yeah, and I want to thank everyone who already is a patron, especially my red Panda-level patrons, Dr. Laura Shank, Dr. Stephen Williamson, and Barbara Bennett. Thank you all so much. And remember, friends, for the last time in this collaboration, but nowhere near the last time on the Rossifari podcast, I just need to remind y'all that the word credits backwards is Steiderk. The Rossifari podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray.